Hello and welcome to another edition of Block Punks, part of the Crypto Writer Stable, where we interrogate and investigate some of the most interesting minds in the space. So today I make no exception because we have an amazing brain here and a man, Paul Linsel, who is the co-founder and CEO of the Crypto Prophecies. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, I am delighted to have you here because the Crypto Prophecies, oh my goodness, it's like years and years and years and layers and, and and detail. It's a huge, it's like a monster game and it's only really launching now. So it's like, but it's, it's like as if it's been there forever. Are you sure you didn't invent this in a previous life? Probably inspired from a, from a previous life or actually all of, all of the, uh, the bits of our lives put together into the one game, so. Because there is so much complexity. So let's start, I mean, I, 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 you know, there's NFTs, there's DeFi, there's staking, there's cute images, there's traders, there's betting, there's a metaverse. <laughs> so how would you describe it for people who don't know the crypto prophecies how would you describe it in a simple line um yeah take away all of the all of the cool bits and basically you're left with a decentralized peer-to-peer price prediction game um so two people battle against each other uh, and predict whether each trading candlestick will close up or down that's the simplest kind of uh, element of the of the game um, but on top of that there is a collectible model there is prize uh, prize draws there's heaps of layers to the to the game it's huge so i guess my first question is will non-traders be able to play it uh we very much hope so um because you don't as much as it's about kind of recognizing trading patterns um there's so much uh, the flip side to the game is actually about skill in terms of beating your opponent. So you're against the clock um, and you have things like magic spells, all of these elements, which basically put an element of skill and strategy into it. So it's less worrying about is the price of Bitcoin going to go up or down in this 10 seconds versus worrying about actually what is my opponent doing at that point in time. So it's, it's, beat the opponent rather than beat the market. And that's where it kind of changes from, from trading. So, And so people play, the real people, they have avatars and they play in-game. So I could play, you know, you don't know, you, you have an, a, a, you know, a, a persona. So I don't know who you are. You could be great wizard of, of something, whatever. And it's a speed game. So there's a lot of, it's other bouts like over, like you said, 10 seconds. How long would each bout take, for example? So the, the first game mode, uh, we just call it the battle arena. So it's 10, 10 second candles. So it's a pretty, pretty That's fast. fast. That's fast. Um, you can't sort of snake off and do something else because for each 10 seconds, you are required to watch a very, very fast uh, candle movement, lots of data. Um, and you need to predict quicker than your opponent uh, whether that candle will close up if it's going green or finish and close down red. The faster you predict, the more points you get. Um, and if you predict wrong, you lose those equivalent points. Um, and if you don't predict anything, you lose 100 points. So okay, there's so you no, have to do something. You have to put. You have, have to, to do it. You can't, you can't, you know, can't go away from the keyboard. Um, and that keeps you on your toes, basically. So, but it is a very fast-paced game. You, like I said, that's uh, hundred and my math has just gone terrible. Ten lots of ten, so a hundred seconds. So, um, obviously, so it's ten bouts, one after the other. Yeah. Do you have a breathing space in between? Nope. Oh wow. Okay, the one finish and then bang, the next one starts. It's, it's live market data at ten-second candles. Oh so. wow. Oh, that is that's 
your heart's palpitating even just getting into it you're there with it's, your fingers at the ready it's certainly uh yeah in you're the cracking room. your knuckles beforehand and going <laughs> what am i going to do so with the with this game there's four different races this is like the, what i love is i mean we'll go back to the mechanics again but there's also the background there's all this lore as i was saying but you you've obviously dredged your history your memory your you've stolen other people's childhoods you put it all together and there's lore so there's four races that are mm -hmm. in this game yes yeah, so all, um, all of the races the game lore everything has kind of been inspired by our journey through the crypto space and the trading space and the gaming space uh, and it's all sort of converged into into the game law so we, we kick off um in a fictional world of, of opulentus um and it's uh post it's kind of a post crypto war um that's happened between the evil warlocks that have sort of come from the great beyond and tried to destroy the kingdom um and now it's about um re uh relaunching the kingdom's wealth by opening up the fabled battle arena where people battle uh maybe friendly maybe not friendly um but with a with a uh, an emphasis on making profit with their crypto profits so we have four races in the world at the moment uh, each of those are inspired by uh, particular blockchains or cryptos so we we the lead race is the satoshians um no surprise that that is inspired by uh the bitcoin the Satoshians are um, legendary uh, masters of the flame, so they can they can wield the magic school of fire. Um, we then have the Ethereans, um, inspired by Ethereum. Now these guys are a bit more uh, Earth-like, and they are uh, wielders of nature. Um, so they're all kind of like little tree ant or ant-based creatures, where you'll find them in the the magical forests in the crypto world. Uh, we then have the Tasmanians, uh, inspired by by Tezos, uh, and then we have the evil reptilians, who uh, some say aren't even true crypto prophets, um, but uh, they are uh, still quite a fun race. Their magic source is telekinesis and, and psychic powers, so they're able to um, bend the candlesticks and move move things and manipulate them. So quite a fun quite a fun race. Are they the uh, the Slytherins? They are the crypto yes. profits. Okay, yeah. so these four races that are there, we the the players don't inhabit them. Do they? Do you come across them, or do you? Or can you be one of them? How, how does that work? So there's various ways of of getting a crypto profit. Um, the primary route is to buy a NFT summoning orb, so non non fungible token. Each <clears throat> each orb is available um, at like a different rarity. And the rarities give you a different probability or chance of uh, finding different rarity profits um, from the different races and the different characters within the race. So there's, there's a huge kind of, you know, Pokemon collecting model um, built into just the, the races as well. Um, so you basically would buy your summoning orb, take it to the, the summoning portal, which is the, the graphic behind me. Um, release the the magic spell and then out of the portal is going to walk the character that you've that you've basically just rolled or summoned so it's a real you know it's a real gamble and element of surprise uh, very much like when you uh, anyone sort of collects pokemon or plays pokemon when, when you open that foil pack and what am i going to get inside it's that it's that level of excitement um and curiosity that we've uh, tried to replicate so do you expect players to keep on summoning, keep on going and buying other NFTs? Is that or you have one or two? What would be the expected game plan? 
So we, <clears throat> there's various levels of NFT. So there's, there's characters, and then depending on the rarity of the character, so we have everything from common, uncommon, uh, rare, epic, legendary, and then a uh, founder's tier. Um, as you go up through the tiers, there is more uh, customization that you can do to those profits. So for example, the, the lowest level of profit, the uh, common, it cannot do any form of magic. It's pretty much the, 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 the bottom tier. You can still use them in the arena um, and they still come with other perks. The first, the next tier up, you're able to equip with a magic staff. Now that will do, uh, magic staff is also an NFT that you need to get a summoning orb for. Um, and the staffs and other NFTs can also be uh, available in the various tiers. Um, so you get a staff, then the next one would be a staff and a cape. Now the cape offers some defensive magic and then a magic wand. And then the top tier has uh, a slot for a magic pet as well. So all of the items, all of the pets, they're also NFTs. Um, and all of those can be combined and uh, uh, collected in, in various different ways. So I think people will be, certain people will be looking to buy more than one. Um, and obviously the, the random nature of uh, the profit that you may get might not be the one that you particularly wanted. So you may need to buy another orb. Um, and there also is the ability to, uh, if you get five of the same tier and the same race profit or item, you're able to take that to the, to the summoning stone and use a burn spell, which will basically remove those from supply um, and then give you one of the next tier up. So you could basically take five common Satoshians, for example, mm. burn them, and then you're guaranteed one uncommon Satoshian. Which has greater powers. Yeah, so we, de we deplete the supply of that generation, which gives a greater scarcity to the, to the, the existing supply, uh, and then allow people to, to progress up, up the tier as well. So creates quite another game within it's the game. It's very complex, isn't it? It's not like straightforward. I mean, you know, teachers who say, oh, these kids who are gaming, they should try playing these games. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be outwitted by the kids. So tell me then with the, um, with the, with the animals, I'm thinking like Philip uh, Pullman now. So the, the, these are like these, the, the pets or the animals that come in, do they have special powers as well? Or are they just nice companions? No, no everything, everything has a, a utility value. Um, so the, the profits have the, uh, the first utility is actually you use it in battle. Um, the second utility is your profit, um, also gives you a point a prize, uh, sorry, tickets for the daily prize draw. Uh, the higher the level of the profit, the more tickets you get, uh, I can explain a bit more about that, that later. And then your staffs, capes, wands, uh, and pets all can do uh, a, a type of magic spell. Um, so the magic spells can be used by you, the, the player, uh, when you're in the battle arena or any of the other game modes. Um, and they are varying depending on the school of magic that the, uh, that the item comes from. So if you have a, uh, anything in the fire school, it might be that during battle, I can cast a fireball on my opponent, which may render them uh, ineffective for X number of seconds. Which is very important in a 10 second bout. It, when it's 10 seconds, it's, pretty, it's a pretty tight time anyway. And if you strategically use your uh, magic to the point where 
I can see that you may not have yet made a prediction. Um, so I cast a spell on you using maybe my pet or, or the wand, whichever spell I've got on cooldown. Um, and that will hinder your chances of either seeing the candlesticks or being able to make a prediction or use your character. So there's various different things that the spells do. Um, and it could be that we engulf your view of the candlesticks in fire. So you can't actually see what's happening. So and but you'd you, know that the spell being cast again, so you wouldn't say, "Oh, the the game's not not performing." You'd actually. I know, you're, you're, you would see all of the spell. Uh, the, the the candlesticks would be uh, on fire for you. Whoa. Um, or you may have a frost spell, and you may freeze my prophet so that he can't actually move and do anything. So you can see the candles, but you're not able to make a prediction. Um, so all 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 of the spells give you a strategic advantage. None of them guarantee that you will win. Um, none of them guarantee that you will even make your own prediction correct, because I might predict at the start of a 10 second candle and get 100 points if, if I'm right. Um, and then use a, a spell on you at halfway through that because you haven't made your prediction. Um, but I could have got that wrong. <laughs> so I could have still lost. So it becomes really strategic. and. Um, you know, un unlike a pure sort of gambling game where it, it literally is just luck, this is really about the, the skill and strategy that you use against your opponent. How do you find opponents? How, how are they found in the game? Do you wander so up to them? Um, that would be interesting, actually. But uh, for, for phase one, no, unfortunately not. Uh, so we have a, a lobby in the game, which is kind of like, a, I guess, the dashboard where we can chat to people in the community. Uh, and we see a live feed of um, all of the current games. So you can kind of see everything that's happening. Um, and then if you choose to go into a battle, what we will do for phase one is to allow uh, three different price points. So they're kind of going to be, for example, a $5 game, a $20 game and a $50 game. We will match people by that wager amount. Um, and that those prices may change over time, depending on, you know, the people's desirability and uh, the amount of wager they want to do. Or if I have you on a friends list or I see you in the community chat, I could tap on your name and then just challenge you to a battle of whatever sum, however great or small I choose to. And it's up to you whether you'd accept. Um, could I, um, what happens if I become really good at this, right? You win a lot of money. Oh, not money. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> But so do people know that I'm really good then? You know, they, they, uh, would I be like a superstar? Would I have some sort of rating that says this, this woman is amazing? Yeah. So what's, what's lovely about um, you know, building a blockchain game um, on layer two Polygon is that we can basically put all of the game data on chain. Um, so all of your history uh, is all mapped and it's transparent. So anybody can see that. Um, so I'll be able to inspect your player and see you know, how many games you've played, your win ratio, your average wager size, you know, so, so much detail. And we're actually trying to record, we're probably recording more than we currently know what to do with. Um, so we're trying to keep that, that open for future, for future uses. Um, so I'll be able to see um, that level of detail on you. Plus there's also the kind of expected um, leaderboards and, uh, leagues and stuff in the game as well so you know i could be able to see that you know jill's at the top of the leaderboard um and then inspect approach with caution you know yeah you whatever. know watch out this this you know you're going to get wrecked kind of uh territory okay yeah well that's it because obviously you don't want to 
uh, blindside people. You know, I could be a super, super cool player and they don't know it. And I come in and I, you know, like those, those uh, you see these kids being scammed because the, the talented person comes in. Oh, I'm terrible at snooker. Let me play you. Cool <laughs> <laughs> sharks, yeah. So, and when people are not actually battling, are they, do they wander around the metaverse when they're not battling or is, is it just when they're actually battling? Uh, so to do in the metaverse? Th I think there is things to do. Um, there are various components to the game and I said games within games. And there's various pieces of information to kind of look into and, and, and study. And one of the things that we're, we're currently building out, uh, haven't shared with anybody else yet, but is a, a population map. So it's like a living, <clears throat> a living and breathing uh, infographic style uh, world, essentially. And it tells you which prophets are alive from which race, uh. for which, which name, how long they've been around for, the number of prophets that will, you know, are burned at any time, the number of items, uh, any profit that might be maybe staked in some of the future staking pools that are coming, you know, profits that might be asleep. Um, so there's whole kind of world of discovery there, um, as well as the uh, the, the kind of the collectible game inside of this in terms of <clears throat> finding and leveling up you know weapons and items and staffs and capes and stuff so there's there's heaps of discovery around that um and then various game modes that we're that we're also building so it's quite a scalable model you said about collectibles so if i have uh, different profits can i sell them in the game or exchange mm. them or so they're not if i have one i, I put at a future point Yes, so um, we've we've built the um, we built to the token standard that's accepted by you know OpenSea and, and some of the other big NFT marketplaces. Um, so once once you've purchased or acquired your um, your profit, it's yours, meaning you can exchange it, sell it, do what you want with it, um, and the. Uh, the options there are probably going to, well, they will ultimately increase over time. There'll be more things to do and we'll be looking at other games that maybe could also use your crypto profit or items ah, in as well. Now, okay. that's that's not there yet, but it's, it's certainly being dis discovered. It makes sense. So would people have like, you know, I'm going now to Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I'm mixing all my stuff up, a Gandalf. I mean, people could have a number of Gandalfs or variations which they could own and bring out to play in different or to battle in different scenarios. Yeah, yeah. So because um, certain elements of your your character items have cooldowns, um, some of the more powerful items will probably have a long longer cooldown. So many people will may have, you know, backups or reserves. And and what we're also looking at is a uh, quite a fun thing. But obviously, we everything we've done with crypto prophecies has been about making profit. It's the clue isn't in the name. It's all about profit. And we want your uh, characters to always represent the uh, the notion of you know making making profits. So what we're looking at doing is to offer, if you owned a legendary crypto profit, but maybe you're on holiday for a month or you just don't fancy playing, could you lend that to other players at a, uh, at a borrowing fee mm. so that they could use it in game? Because if they use your legendary crypto profit every time they play a game we're going to get a 16x multiplier for the daily prize pool so a huge number of tickets to win additionally um they're going to get the the benefit of having the four or five slots um 
to to have magic spells and items in. Um, so we believe that there's a, a really interesting value proposition there where you could start lending out your uh, your NFT characters to other people. So it's another way of earning passively without playing. That's cool. And then people who maybe wouldn't have a huge income could rent rather than having to buy. So mm -hmm. and then they could earn themselves and get more more value in the game. Yeah. So we've said all along, we've said along, it's about making money. This mm -hmm. is this uh, primary uh, ambition of the game. So how does it work? So tell me about the the, the payouts and, mm. and what happens in each battle. So the, the the most simplest game is it's um, zero sum. So you stand to lose what I stand to gain and okay. vice versa. And if you're upfront about that, it's not a touchy feel. This is no, it's yeah. um it's, it's it's as decentralized as we can get <laughs> at this stage as well. Yeah. Uh, so unlike you know going into a casino, no disrespect to casinos, but they're out to you know get your money. Mm. Um, with decentralized, it's peer to peer. So we want two players to battle against each other, where the winner takes all. So that's okay. um you know straightforward. A simple scenario would be you stake or wager a thousand of our tokens. I wager a thousand of our tokens. The winner takes all minus a 3% kingdom fee. Um, uh, at this point, some people go, Oh, you said it was, you know, decentralized. That's the app. Let's, let's talk about the kingdom fee because the kingdom fee doesn't go into the house's pocket like it might do in a, you know, casino or other, other nature of, uh, you know, iGaming platform. Um, what we do with the kingdom fee is 3% of that wager. So um, my maths is terrible, but I should know what 3% of uh, 2000 is. Um, but we basically take that off. The smart contract takes that percentage out. Uh, the winner gets the 97%. So if you win, you get your almost 2000 back. Yeah. Um, it's about 1,900 and something. Um, and that of that 3%, half of it is instantly burned. So we send that to a zero zero smart uh, uh, wallet, which means that's taken out of supply. Um, Forty percent of of that is put into the daily prize pool. So the more people that play, the bigger the wages they do, the bigger the prize pool grows. Uh, and then currently, a small ten percent is for platform maintenance and ongoing. So that's ten percent of the three percent of the three percent. Yeah. So it, it's a very yeah, and it goes towards it's, maintenance. Yeah, um, okay. we from day one we never wanted that small fee but there's ultimately a lot of pressure to make sure that the platform can evolve and maintain um we have some very innovative ways that we are exploring to channel that 10 percent even back into the community um won't be phase one um but yes yeah, so when you break that down that's that's the core model 1.5 percent of of the platform volume on a daily basis is burned. So you've always got a reducing token supply. Um, so that's a pretty good thing for community. The prize pool grows, the more people that play, the higher they wager, the more games they play, the, the prize pool grows as well. Um, now the way that works, I said you get the multiplier. So every game you play, your profit has either a one to one, a one to two, one to four, one to eight, or one to 16 rate, uh, multiplier. We take your wager size. So in, in our math, it was a thousand. And if you played with a legendary, which is a 16 multiplier, you would get 16,000 tickets just for that game yeah. into the daily prize draw. Regardless of whether you win or, or, or lose. So when you win, you get the top multiplier. If yeah. you lose, you get a one to one. So even if you lose, you still get some tickets for the daily yeah. prize pool. And there's no limit to how many tickets you have. So if you played 10 games today, 
all at the same thing, then you're going to accrue quite a lot of tickets. If you play just one game, you'll get some tickets. Um, 25 prizes every day. I was going to say, how is it broken out? So 25, yeah. so it's a bit of a, a, a sharing. It, it is, but it's kind of nice. So the, there's a there's a first prize, a second prize, or like so it breaks down like five percent, then it goes down to three, and then it breaks down over over twenty five different um, uh, segments. All of that is um, potentially changeable by by governance using the token in the future. So we'll open that up to the community to say, well, actually, how would you prefer that to be split? Could it be twenty five equal? prizes that would be up to the community to to decide yeah. um or do you want to scrap it and just have one one big one again you know community can can tell us and drive those decisions um but that puts yet yet another game into the game and the game is also of a monetary value um wow. so every, everything we want in the game is to be about a little gamble um that kind of mentality of you know what if i win uh, what do i get out of it and that that flows from from summoning orbs to opening the summoning orb to you know seeing what you're going to get to who are you going to play to are you going to win at every candle level it's kind of it's kind of inherent in in everything around this model so. do you think people will play in short bursts because it sounds very intense i mean would you play all day or would Oof. you what do you think um, we've we've never We've never built this with the intention of it being a, you know, like a World of Warcraft where you may sit there and raid something for hours mm. upon hours. Um, it's not really the world we'd like to create. So we, we've pretty much tried to do this as a, um, you know, short bursts of stuff in your yeah. lunch in your lunch breaks after you know watching something or maybe even during watching something on TV, whatever yeah. that you know moment of. Which actually, it's more appealing, I think. I mean, it's very high octane. It's very intense, but it's mm -hmm. like bang and then you know, your 100 seconds, whatever, if you've got your 10 battles. Yeah. So where are you now with the game? So where is it? Is it, is it in beta? Is it in, in full, full on? Where are we're, you? We're about to, we're about to put the beta live. Um, so we've been building for a number of months, um, done our alphas, done our tests, um, made a few changes, quite a few, um, added heaps of things like uh, spell effects that we never thought we would be able to do. We thought initially it would be quite basic, but now they've turned into quite advanced stuff. Um, we've actually rebuilt the game from, we started building in one technology um, and then pivoted and went back and built it in, in Unity. So um, that's slowed us down a bit. So we are about a month behind on our previous uh, roadmap. Um, but we are currently testing um, internally, which is what, you know, once we're through this test and this QA, then we will be saying, okay, a limited number of people can come in and do the beta testing. Um, that will likely be for uh, short short windows of time. What we can't do is say it's, you know, it's open all day, but if, if two people aren't online at the same time, then there's not really much to test because there's no one to play against. Of course. Um, so that's it. We're aiming to have that this month uh, of May um, with a with a full launch as soon as possible after that so wow and how how are you funding the, the so the we were self-funded until this year um, we had a micro grant from uh, from Polygon uh, which is the the layer two that we've been building on um, that was super helpful but really just was a you know a micro grant uh, and then we did a, a private sale um, this month, 
And when do we start that? We put the word out in, I think it was end of February. Um, no, it was early March. Oversubscribed in 24 hours. Um, like crazy amounts of money being chucked to this because people just saw the huge potential of it and the the, the readiness of the market for this. Um, and then I just closed a, a public round uh, last week. So 20, 29th of April. Wow. What do you think, you said you were oversubscribed. Mm-hmm. What attracts people? What do people say, oh my God, I want to be in? I mean, apart from not even this is the investors who, but who see the value of the game. What is your unique point? Do you think that people go, wow, I have to have some mm-hmm. of the crypto profits? So it's a, it's a really interesting one because obviously as a, as a founder and a curator, I have my own views. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably more interesting to share what other people have said as to why they've supported us or, or, uh, or joined into the, the sale. Um, and it was pretty much about coming with a, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the market and the readiness of the market. So people that understand what we do, and these are some people that I'd never even had to pitch to, they just said, I love the fact that this appeals to gamers, gamblers, traders, and DGENs. Like for the for the crypto market right now, it's got something for everybody, and a bit of everybody in that something almost. So it kind of just it just works at this time. It's got the you know the collectability in the side of, of NFTs, which are obviously very popular at the moment. It's got utility of the NFTs. It's got skill based gaming. Um, it's got the trading element to it and it's got the kind of cute Pokemon side of it and it's got the real money wagering side of it. So it just ticks a lot of boxes for, it, it is a niche market. It, it isn't, you know, it's not casual gamers. It's not, um, you know, free to play gaming or anything like that. It's, it's very niche, but it's ripe for the crypto space. I can't believe I even asked you that question because the answer is so good. <laughs> I'm lining up. So if people want to find you and make sure they're lined up to um, start the game when everything goes bang, mm-hmm. where's the, how, how can they find you? Where can they go? What should they do? So the easiest place is the website, which is thecryptoprophecies.com. Um, the busy place is the Telegram channel. Um, I could share, share a link to that, but there's 102,000 people in our TG channel at the moment. Um, but you can also find us on Discord and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and mailing lists and, and pretty much everywhere. So, Wow. Joe, it's funny, as I've been chatting with you, I've been like going, oh, yeah, it's Lord of the Rings. Oh, no, it's Harry Potter. Oh, no, <laughs> it's the, the dark materials. It's like all these things together with money. It's, yeah, real money Pokemon. Real money Pokemon. I like. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Paul. You've been listening to the block of the block punks with me, Gillian Gotts on Crypto Writer. And until next time, thank you indeed. Thank you. 